And we are coming down in three, two, one. Welcome to Good Sports with Drunk. I'm your host, Cupcake the Riddler, and I'm joined by. Nope. Axel. <laughs> nope. <sighs> and the Red of Red Baron. No. No. You know, I want to make the executive decision. No more saying nope. Oh, it's going to be think, so hard think, to drop. I think we just introduce the, the people that are here because the nope thing, it just leaves like these like weird silences where I don't know what to do. <laughs> I know. I'm just so used to doing it. Well, especially like Kyle, if you weren't here, I would have had to listen to Kendall say nope three times. Yeah. Uh, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> back, back. I mean, when I'm not on, do you guys start off the show with nope? No, it's, it's where I do like this wraparound where I introduce myself first, and then we go through, and then I just instinctively reintroduce myself at the end. It's 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 clunky. Yeah. And I usually say I'm mock. Yeah. Usually how it goes. Yeah, so we're here. Um, yeah. Starting lineups. We'll just jump right into it. Solzy? Uh, Gatorade. Made by the Pepsi Company. What color? Lemon lime. What kind of color? That's a flavor. Green. Nice. <laughs> Uh, I'm giving the Trogues Lollihop Double IPA one more go. I'm having it via the can this time, just just to see if there's a, a difference. What, did you have it at the bottle last time? No, I just poured it into a glass. Really, it's, you know, the distinction will be next to none. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Uh, I'm having a, uh, I'm having a, a too juicy. Ooh. A staple. I was thinking of Kyle when I opened it. Very nice. Here's three heart. What? Here's three heart. Oh. You said it with the words. Got it. <laughs> you know what's always really fun to do? What's that? Go back, back, back. No, go back and watch a, a highlight tape of a player from like the you know early to mid 2000s. And just look at the scores and the tickers and be like, oh, I forgot that guy was there. <laughs> I, I know exactly that. what you mean. Yeah, it's also always really fun when you see, like, when you have, like, four straight highlights of your team getting blown out in the third quarter. <laughs> it's like, wow, look at that catch. They're only down 48 now. <laughs> you watch, like, damn, we lost to the 49ers. Joke, I was nah. just, just throwing out a team. Uh, Toast of Excellence, Gilberto. Always oh, leading off with the guy that never comes prepared with them. Um, Kendall? I got one. <laughs> As you know me, I'm Mr. Jersey and all things like that. Um, it looks like that not only the uh, Tennessee Titans, but the Indianapolis Colts will also be debuting a black jersey this year, which I think is pretty interesting. I don't know if it's one found out the other was doing it's like, well, we're not going to be left alone. But I saw kind of the mock-up, and uh, they both look pretty cool, so I'm kind of excited for that. 
Nice. Kyle, do you have one now? Uh, sure. Um, my talks of excellence is to the MLB trade deadline that's coming up soon. I think I think you're the first person that's ever had a preemptive toast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm toasting something that's gonna happen. <laughs> Just want you to know about it. Uh, I'm gonna toast. Hmm. Let's see. Do I have anything on the docket? Do I have anything saved? Uh, see this. We go to that. We go to this. Uh, little bing bang boom. Toast Beckman, Steve Freeman. I don't think I do. So I'll toast. I'll toast. Uh, I'll toast the United States women's. Oh, you know what? No, I'll to, I'll toast. Uh, I'll toast. Uh, Inter Miami for. Uh, you know, securing the bag on season ticket sales and, you know, having Lionel Messi score the game-winning goal on a free kick, which basically couldn't really ask for anything better. <laughs> and then uh, I'll double down on the uh, the soccer by giving it to the U.S. women's national team for winning their uh, opening game of the Women's World Cup. Nice. Give that a, a crack em. Yeah, go ahead. Drink your beers. Hey, Kyle. Hey, um, I have a toast of excellence now. All right, cool, cool, cool. I'm not going to say it. So what's up, Paul? <laughs> All right, cool, 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 cool. Um, hey, if you had to, uh, if you had to be tasked with this, and you can take some time to think about it if you'd like, but of all of the lemon lime flavored or citrus flavored beverages out there mm-hmm. that, are, that are, that are not Mountain Dew or a member of the Mountain Dew family. Uh, what do you think is the most closely resemblance of Mountain Dew? Now you can, you can exclude uh, things that are not carb. You, I mean, you can include things that are not carbonated. I mean, I do think that, you know, the bubbles do have a part in the taste, but I think you could kind of like, if you drank something that was flat versus something that was carbonated, you could still decipher that the lemon lime was, Close enough. So I was just curious what you thought of that. Mm, lemon lime Gatorade. Yeah, you think it's the closest? Yeah. Because when the Mountain Dew's flat, it kind of tastes like it. So what's the closest carbonated thing then? Would you would you say it's Surge? Probably Mellow Yellow. Mellow Yellow. It's quite right. <laughs> nice. Mellow Yellow sucks though. You know what else sucks, Mister Pib? You don't like anything Dr. Pepper related. Well, at least, at least Mr. Pibb is humble enough to not use his doctorate. He's a big Dr. <laughs> Thunder guy. No, you're not. Mountain, Mountain Lightning. Mountain Lightning. That's <laughs> probably the closest to it. <laughs> that doesn't count. Yeah, that's fair. Off brand bullshit. Yeah. All right, Paul, I have a trivia question for you. Well, what was the best thing that happened to your weekend? Oh, um, well, well, we'll you know dive into it a little, a little bit more, but we got to play Maple Hill in Massachusetts disc golf course over the weekend. Uh, was pretty cool. It was worth the uh, worth the hype. Prove it. I uh, I can only do it on U disc, which I don't have. Shocker. But it's out there. It exists. No, I deleted it. 
That, that other course, though, could kick rocks. <laughs> no, that other course was fine. It was just because you were tired. I don't know. I didn't like to uphill it, the entire time uh, aspect. Yeah, I mean, well, it wasn't uphill the entire time because there were some really cool downhill shots and stuff. I just wish that we had played, because we played the short baskets, I wish we had played the long baskets. I, pl- I wish we had played doubles on the longs. Just because, like, the green, it was very repetitive. There was a lot, like, a lot of the blue holes, like, hole, hole 17 there where we threw and the, the basket was down at the bottom of the hill. And then the blue basket was just outside of the woods, it, cresting the, the, the field. Like, that was, like, a really cool-looking shot. Like, it was just straight downhill but it still was, like, far enough that you could throw it. Like, the other one, it kind of had to just throw downhill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I just wish we had played the Blues, but it was just a, it was a tough second course. Like, when I looked at it, it that's that's kind of the problem. Is like when you use the U-Disc app, for those of you who don't disc golf and don't care about this, um, but the, the U-Disc app gives you a elevation change to, throughout the course. So you can see it ahead of time. It gives it, in like, you know, flights of stairs. So, like, the elevation change... See, this this is what's funny, Kyle. So, the elevation change at uh, the 501 place that we played is the exact same as the elevation change at Lufbury. Just... They're it's, probably less... Well, I think, I think it's just because, like, that course, there was just a lot of just throwing up the hill and then throwing down the hill. Whereas, like... Uh-huh. It, like at Luffberry, like between hole seven and eight, you're going up like four flights of stairs, but then you're playing flat for four straight. Well, you're playing flat for four holes. Right. You're climbing the mountain and then playing flat. There's really only two holes that are uphill. It's hole six and hole seven, or hole six and hole seventeen. Hole third, hole three is kind of uphill, but then it goes right back downhill. So you're kind of just playing the crest of the hill, you know. We need to play at a course that's all downhill. <laughs> um, there's one in New Hampshire, but Kyle, you would hate that. I know. 18 holes of just walking down cliff sides. <laughs> Our friends what at is, What about all all just flat? Yeah, that's Panthorn, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, fuck Panthorn. Kyle, the biggest hill at Panthorn is walking up to the basket of hole two. Okay, you know what? I'm a big fan. That's like not even a joke, Kyle. That's the biggest hill at Panthorn. <laughs> I know. God, they're well, used actually, to... No, that's not true. There's a hill. You go up a hill right at the end. 18. Yeah. There used to be, Kyle, uh, a course in Westport. I don't know if it's there anymore, but it's basically like primarily like just like on the beach. That is pretty much as flat as it gets. Kyle, you, Kyle, you would not like that course. I've played it. You would, you would hate everything about that course, Kyle. Yeah, no, because there's sand. <laughs> no, it's not the sand, Kyle. It's just so fucking windy. At least you can go into the water and get your disc, though. Yeah, it's a little fucking shark gets you. You know what? You know it's worth it at the end. Yeah, you say that until fucking Jason Statham comes out of nowhere and fights the Meg in front of you. <laughs> oh, fucking Jason. Uh, uh, all right, uh, Kyle. What's the best thing to happen to you? Uh. You can double down because we all went to Maple if you want. Yeah. Maple. Maple yeah. was fun, but I didn't like coming in last. Yeah, I get that. I'm sorry. Sure, right. I know I'm still better than Kendall. Kyle, we both have our days. 
I was trash at 501. Well, there's a reason for that. Well, there was multiple reasons for that. I mean, there was there was one clear cut reason though. Yeah, it was right. it was a leading factor. I don't discount that. The leading factor, Kendall. It was the only factor. No, I also really had a tough time seeing. Why didn't you just put on your fucking glasses? Left him in the car. <laughs> You're dumb. Well, I just assumed it was going to be sunnier and more spots, and I was wrong. Paul Tumby's dumb. Kendall, you're dumb. I'm not disputing that. Sounds like you are. <laughs> uh, my highlight of the weekend was playing Maple Hill. And No, we and, all did. And shooting even. I mean, also be it, we played the intermediate tees, but whatever. Hey, first time there. Pro course. Two birdies, two bogeys. I think it goes to show the difference. There's there's a few holes or there's a few courses. There's very few courses where like the first like when I play disc golf, if I, the first course it has I have no problem playing blind. It, it when things are marked correctly and fairways are clearly opened and marked, it it, it makes all the difference in the world. Cuz like the first time I played like Loughberry, now I know some people have problems with it, but like I think like the T the T signage isn't always the best. But, like, it's very clear where you're throwing it at Loughberry. I mean, really, I think, you know, I think you guys could agree. I think the only hole that you step up to if you can't see the basket and you're like, oh, where am I throwing is hole one just because, like, there's a lot of trees in the middle. So it kind of just looks like a, a weird, like, landing in the middle of the woods. But all the rest of the holes, it's very clear what direction you're throwing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Panthorn is a lot better now, but the first time I played it, it wasn't like that. But, like, courses where, like, I don't know where I'm going or how far it is, I really, really struggle. So I had very low expectations going into Maple. But, I mean, I, I we, none of us have played a course that well-maintained. And, I mean, honestly, and I'll say this, too. The 501 course, Kyle, <clears throat> even though it was really hilly, it was very beautifully, like, maintained. Like, the rough was was, was rough, but... That's like that's not an uncommon thing. That's like Panthorn, you know, like get off the fairway in Panthorn and you're in jail. You know? Like I I feel that most of the fairways were wide enough that you could still make a mistake and end up in the fairway. You know, whereas like like Luffberry, you know, the fairways are much tighter, so it's easier to get off of them, but most of the places if you get off of them, you can scramble out and still save a par. You know, there's very like I think of whole like at Luffberry, I think of very few like if you get stuck in the if you get stuck on the right hand side of like hole nine and hole ten, those are very hard to get out of and still get a lot of forward progress. You know, like hole fourteen, just because of the ditch, if you get stuck in it, you're you're screwed. But mm-hmm. like, but like you can still like you still have a very clear way to get out of it. Yeah, I know. But all right, Kendall, what's your trivia question? Okay, uh, here's a question that there's pretty much no way to really prove right or wrong, but according to this website, how many beers on average are consumed at a Major League Baseball game? I'll give you within 1,000. At a Major League Baseball game on average? Yes. How many beers consumed? So this is factoring in all 30 teams, all 81 home games each. Well, let me put it this way. I'm sorry, an individual baseball game. No, 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 but I'm saying, but like, like 30, like, so you have to yes. factor all 
30 teams into it and all 81 home games into it. So, like, for example, you know, there's going to be a lot of beer drank at any one of those 81 Yankees games. But, like, the number of beers drank at a Kansas City Royals game probably greatly fluctuates weekend to weekday. Mm-hmm. Um, the plus minus of the thousands kind of throw me off only because, I mean, that, that means it's obviously big. So it means it's over. I would say it, I would say it's got to be over two thousand at that point. And that's a lot of beer. And I mean, you know, Kyle, could you do me a favor, Kyle? Yeah, I'm listening. What is the? Could could you tell me what the capacity of Citizens Bank Park is? Uh, I should know this. No, I don't. I don't expect you to know off the top of your head. I'm saying, could you look it up for me? Yeah. And if Kendall, if you think that's cheating, that's fine. No, no, no. Yeah, no one expects you just to know the capacity of your stadium. Forty-two thousand nine hundred and one. Okay, so we'll call it. We'll call it forty-three thousand. So forty-three. Kyle, would you say Citizens Bank Park is on the higher end or lower end of this, the capacity spectrum? Uh, they sell out all the time. No, 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 no. But I mean, like, like, like. Like volume, like, like, do you think that there's, do you think more than half of the MLB can seat more than that? No. Do you think Citizens Bank Park would be a bigger stadium? Yeah. Okay. So let's say on average, let's call it 38,000. I'm going to do some math here. I want to talk about it while I do it. So let's say 38,000 is the average attendance or average like home capacity. So let's say 38,000. Let's say, on average, they sell out. Or they, they, on average, there's sixty percent of attendance. I think that's fair because, like, the Yankees, Red Sox, Phillies, they're going to have very large crowds even at one o'clock Tuesday games. Whereas, like, the Athletics don't have anyone. So let's just say twenty-two thousand eight hundred, and let's say that on average, I think it would be fair to say that. Of the 22,800, I think it would be fair to say that 70% of those are male. Of the males, let's say, let's say that 80% are above the drinking age. Let's factor in about 33% of them don't drink. So I'm going to say 4,213.44 beers. All right. So this is why I have a, a tough time with this question. Because, you know, they're saying between 6,000 and 16,666. So I would say I would always kind of shade probably – you know, on the low, it just seems like a lot of beer, 16,000, right? It's like a, a ton of beer. 16,000 beers, I mean, right? Doesn't that doesn't seem like excessive? Like, I, I tend to think, you know, that the 6,000 would be more accurate. How is the question worded? It's so, like, how many beers are drank on average at, at an MLB baseball game? Yeah. Like an individual game, so 
16,000 beers. Think about it. Yeah, but you think about it. There's 42,000 people. But Kyle, but that's, right? but they're saying the average game. The average game isn't a sellout at Citizens Bank Park. I'm just giving an example. Even if you say 40,000, right? People are drinking like four or five beers of fucking... No, no, Kyle, Kyle, I totally get that. But at the same time, you also have to factor in the Tuesday at 1 o'clock, you know, Royals hosting the fucking Padres game. You know what I mean? So there's there's maybe, you know, their attendance at that game is maybe 7,000 people. Yeah. And, you know, they're, so... They're drinking, they're drinking 100 beers. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just like, you got, you got to remember, like, being in school, you know what I mean? Like, if you're in school and you, you take 10 tests and you get nine A's and an F, your grade point average is like a B minus. But if you get nine F's and an A, you still have an F. So it's like, like it's, it's, much, much, harder to, it's much harder to raise the average than it is to lower it. I will but say, though, I'm, Paul, you were very thorough in going through, like, you know, percentages of what that, I thought that was, that was pretty well thought out. I'm just saying, I I wouldn't have thought of all that. Yeah, well, you wouldn't have thought. Period. Appreciate it, man. Good guy. <laughs> Let's see. Can you fucking score fucking run, please? That's just so many. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you figure that means like, like half the crowd. Is having like a, a well, multiple beer. I'm looking at it here, so I mean, it it doesn't it's not it doesn't say alcoholic beverages, but it says at Guaranteed Rate Field where the White Sox play, the average, the average attendant over the course of a season consumes 4.2 beverages per game. Now that doesn't mean just beers; that also includes waters and sodas and etc. Mm-hmm. But So according to this, they that based off of like everything that they do, a guaranteed rate field with, with again where the White Sox play, it averages out to about sixty one hundred beers a game. Yeah. Which is uh that's pretty wild. Yeah. Which if you do that math out let's see. 6,100 beers times 81 home games. The average beer is pro- the average beer sold at a game is probably what'd you say? 16 ounces? Yeah. Let's get that. I think when you get the cans, they're 20 ounces, right? Yes. They're the, they're the like the Mega Boys or whatever we call them. Yeah. No, they can't. They're 24 ounces. They're 24 ounces. Well, I was thinking those uh, aluminum bottles, aren't those 20s? No, I think those are 16s. Those are pints. Oh. So let's let's just say 16. So divided by 16 equals... So if you divide that by 128, that means that at guaranteed rate park, they're drinking approximately 1,200 gallons of beer a year. <laughs> Sounds like a lot. Hey, it's still good work. You know, excluding our trip to Pittsburgh at PNC Park, I wonder what our average is 
like as a group. As a, as a group? Yeah. Probably, um, it's probably really low. Yeah. Especially if you're taking PNC, that one PNC park trip out, I would say the average per person in our group is between 1 and 1.5. Yeah. I would say it's closer to 1. I mean, you figure Massey is going to drink one beer at most. Pat might have two. That's if someone gets him one, because Pat usually doesn't get up. Right. Kyle will have one. He'll get one, and then once he sits again, he's not getting up. You know, you let's say you have five. I have four. You know, Jeff might be good for two. Mock will have one. So that's, you know, one, that's one, one, that's three. Three plus five is eight, plus four is 12, plus two is 14. 14 divided by seven would be two beers. But that's if all seven of us go. Now, how many games have we been to where it's you, me, Mock, and Kyle? Or you, me, Jeff, and Kyle? Right. The other thing, too, is I think if you're going to factor into it, you have to factor other games. So, like, you have to factor every game that we've been to over the age of 21. Yeah. Like, when Kyle goes to the Phillies games with his brother and his dad, Kyle probably doesn't even drink a beer. Or if he does, it's one. But, you know what I mean? It, when I went to the White Sox games, I, I only drank one beer at each of those games. So it's, you know, it's a little different. I think it's, I think it's a lot lower than you think, though. Yeah, and no, I guess that's fair. I mean, definitely taking it. I excluded that game as I, in Pittsburgh because no. I sort of consider that the anomaly. Take that question, Kendall, and ask it. And how many beers is average from in Moonship Hotel? Yeah, uh, much higher. Per, <laughs> per person, it's it, per person, it's much higher, but not as high as you think it would be. Because think about it, the time, all the times that we've gone and we partied at the hotel after the, the night before and the night after the game. Think about it. Like, one, the one weekend that we went, Jeff was sick the whole weekend, so Jeff didn't drink at all. So that, that zero takes a huge toll on our total number. Kyle, you probably only have a couple. How old I was. Yeah, I, I don't think it's as much. All right, Kendall, you ready for your trivia question? Yes. All right. Within... I'll give you a plus minus of twenty five feet. How long was the long, or how long was the, how long? Jesus, can't even speak. How long was the longest hole that we played at Maple Hill on Saturday? Okay. Um, treating it as from the white tee. Yeah, like that we played. Okay. Um. I'm going to go with... Hey, Kyle, you know what's a real bummer? What? I tried something different on hole 17 at Maple Hill while he's thinking about it. I tried something different because, like, I got in my head that I knew I was going to beat Mock at that point because I knew there was no way I was going to... Because I, I, I knew there was no way I was going to lose four strokes on the last two holes. So I tried something different with a disc I don't usually throw. And if I hadn't bogeyed it, I would have shot minus one for the day. Did you beat Mock? Yeah, Mock shot plus three. I'm going to go with 336. 443. Damn. 
So you were almost a hundred off. I didn't realize we had one that that far. Hole eighteen. It was the only par four. Hmm. You had to throw that length of that massive field yeah, and then throw. Yeah, uh, that's true. But we also played one that was four thirteen. So we played two four hundred foot holes. Yeah, it's that's interesting because you're right. Like the entire time you're playing, like that la- that hole eighteen was the one that really seemed very far, but. Everything else, relatively speaking, like, hey, I got a pretty good, you know, view of the basket. I know what I want to do right out of the gate. Hmm. Well, I guess I'm going to have one of my Jim Beam nips that came home. Uh, what do you think the longest hole? What do you think the longest hole you've played at disc golf is? Not counting, uh, not counting the MPOT at Wickham. Uh, probably Rockwell. The long ravine hole. Yeah. yeah, I think it's got to be. Yeah, probably. I think it's like. 700. Let me tell you something. That one hole at Maple Hill. If we played the gold, we would all have a disc logged. <laughs> Which one? Hole one? No, 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 no. That the water big, hole. Yeah, not that yeah. water hole. Like we didn't play that that tee. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, you're talking about the one, where you, the one where you throw out over the pond and it's like the forehand in? Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I would have lost the tip. No, 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 no. Not that one. Not that one. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're on top. Go ahead. We'll sleep. It, like the hill. Yeah. Right? And then you here's the teapad and you look out. There's just that big, big open thing of water in the... In the Things like four fifty out. Are you talking about hole one? I don't think it's hole one. I think it's like hole like ten or something. I'd have to look at it. Let's see. Actually, hole. I think it's hole fourteen. Maple Hill Disc Golf. Look up hole fourteen. Where's the golds? I mean, I, I tell you, I'd like to play the Golds one time. I would like to go there and play them. Just yeah, I'll play them. Huh? I'll, I'll play them, but I'm so shooting a plus 700,000. Well, so here's here's the thing. This is the way I look at it. This is what I was talking to Mark about. So, like, hole one, for example, right? Hole one is super intimidating because you have that big, like, you, you tee off at the top of the hill. There's the big pond, and then you go. Now, here's the thing. Realistically, realistically, Every you like me and Mock could probably get to the pond, but the rest of you, no offense, but you're not going to get to the pond. Thanks, man. So, but I'm saying, so like you basically would take the water, and same thing for me, I would just throw it straight, something that's going to fly straight, and then dump at the end. So if I do make it to the water, I'm going to dump towards where the other basket is, and I'll take the if I, you know, I'm going to shoot a five anyway in distance, but like. I'm going to take the water out of play. So, like, I don't think the water really becomes a factor on that one. Hole 14 would suck. Hole 14 is a big water carry. That's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm right, right? Yeah, hole 14 would not be fun. Like, we, we, we're pretty much just throwing into the water. We're not even trying to get it to the fucking thing. Yeah. Like, even, like, Muck. I don't think he would even come close. On hole 14? Yeah. No, he wouldn't even come close at all. Because hole fourteen, hole hole fourteen is basically it's basically like four hundred feet to the basket. Like, I would just like chip down the hill and chip out 
to the side. Mm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Take a seventy-five. <laughs> That's the way to do it. I was bumped. I really wanted to clear the water. I was. I don't know. What do you think? Thirty-five short. No, you were short than that. Yeah. Yeah, you hit. You hit about the same spot, Kyle. Did you probably got about two, probably got about two thirds across? Oh, I didn't get two thirds. I got like half. No, you got more than half, Kyle, because the lily pads were over half. And you, cl- I, I watched the video. You cleared the lily pads. You got closer than you think. You you got closer. Than you think. I, I, I would have cleared it if I I I threw two shots. The forehand, I would have cleared it if I didn't throw it, if I didn't put so much turn on it because it, it got stuck up in the tree. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I hit the tree probably like seventy feet in the air. So you figure. I hit the tree right at the edge of the water, so I probably would have overshot the basket. And then on the the second shot, I threw a disc that I thought I needed to put some hyzer on to hyzer flip it to flat, but I didn't need to do that, and it kind of just stayed hyzering, and I hit, I, I landed in the water about seven feet short of the island. So if I had just thrown it flat, I probably would have got it. Now, real quick. I think I have... No, go ahead, Kenny. Go ahead. Uh, so no, go ahead. You, go ahead. Like my, my question doesn't have to do with anything, so you can go first. I think Maple Hill was probably one of the best putting days I've ever had. Yeah, it, it, I mean, well, and, you know, they're, they're, that's another thing that's kind of something to be said about is that, like, one, you're putting into like, you know, well maintained baskets, but you're also you're putting onto like well maintained fairways, like. Like there were no there, there were no putting greens where like footing was shitty, right? You know, like you didn't have like there there wasn't a lot of like because the thing too is like like again like a lot of the courses we play, they're they're built they're disc golf courses that happen to be in the or woods that happen to have a disc golf course in them. So like you know like there's a lot of holes where like there's you know trees to get around and this and that so like there's a very good chance that you're going to have to do some sort of obstructed footing or obstructed putt. And you're going to have to kind of throw awkwardly. Whereas like on this disc golf course, like all the obstacles you have to hit are in route to the green, you know, like getting to the, getting to the, the basket is the hard part. Putting is not the easy part, but you know what I mean? Like it's, you don't have as many obstructed putts. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's kind of the thing. If you if you really look at it, like a lot of the disc golf courses that we play, if you, now that you've played a professional course, and now you go back and look at Luffberry and Panthorn and things like that, part of what makes the the has to make the course a little harder is you kind of have to put luck into the equation. At Maple Hill, don't get me wrong, there's always a little bit of luck with like the way a disc hits the ground. You know, if there's like a tiny root or a rock, it could make it skip a different type of way. But that type of luck is inevitable. But like, you, you know, like if you threw like like on the hole, I forget what hole it was, but like the hole that I threw that really good shot, Kendall, where I parked it. Yep. <clears throat> like on that hole, like if you threw, if you threw the drive you were supposed to throw, like I did, you were rewarded with being by the basket. Right. There was nothing else. Like, there was no way to get unlucky if you threw it correctly. Whereas at like Luffberry, for example, hole five, you can throw it correctly, but you can still nick a random tree, like 
limb because you in order to throw it correctly you have to weave in and out of all these trees so like you can hit the right line but still have to be lucky if that makes sense yeah no i get that um so sort of follow-up question in a way so with the exception of like the red t's is 14 like the only kind of ace run on the course I only say the red because those are shorter distance, and I think if with with well, certain, I mean, go ahead. So you, well, I mean, I, I'm thinking of it from our standpoint. I mean, realistically, realistically, from like like if you think so, like like you guys have the ability. Like I genuinely believe that if you guys all practiced, you Massey, Pat, and Kyle, if you guys all practiced and played more regularly, I think all of you have the ability to shoot even had the ability to shoot even at um, at the white tees. Now, you know, I don't, you know, I think that means that, yes, you probably have to find a birdie somewhere because you might bogey a hole. But, like, hole one, for example, like, like Kyle, like, you know, Kyle, had, you know, wasn't going to tomahawk the first hole, even though he definitely thought about it. <laughs> um, but, like, even on that hole, like, Kyle doesn't generate a lot of backhand strength. But even on that, because you're throwing so downhill and like it's so open, like if you just if if you know it's more about knowing where to throw and where not to throw versus how far you can throw. If you can place yourself in a more easily maintainable spot, then you have a easily maintainable second shot, and then you put yourself. You know that's what I was doing at Maple Hill. I was you know like I was trying to get like hole two. I didn't try to get aggressive and get to the basket. I tried to hit the gap and get up the hill so that I just had a little pitch up to the basket and then a five-foot putt. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, if you really think about it, hole one is probably, from the white tee, is probably an ace run. It's right there. Yeah, you know the, I mean? the elevation, I mean, you're in, like, a prime spot looking down at it. Right, and I think a lot of it, too, is, like, you, I think a lot of people, like, you know, like, downhill is very uncomfortable for a lot of people, so you tend to disc down because you think, oh, I'm throwing downhill and this and that, but, like, while, yes, you are throwing downhill, you don't need to throw it as hard. That means the disc is also going to glide more, which means you're gonna, the disc is going to exaggerate what you're doing more. So if your disc that you're throwing naturally fades left, it's going to fade left more because it's going to be higher in the ground, higher off the ground. Mm -hmm. So, like, hole one I would consider kind of an ace run. Um, from the white tee, I mean, hole three... That was the one where you were throwing through that tight gap and it kind of went right. That could be AC, a kind of an ace run. I, w I wouldn't get too aggressive with that, though. But the straight downhill shot with the water in the background, that's an ace run. It depends how aggressive you want to get, but, I mean, it's not a long hole. Right. All of us have the ability to get down to the basket. The one that I almost, the one that I got parked on, that's kind of an ace runny hole. The water hole is an ace run hole for the white tees. If you're playing the white tees, you could be able to throw 300 feet, you know, more or less. Um, so, like, I would give that. That's got ace run potential. I mean, Kendall, you came within 20 feet of hitting the basket on a hole. Yep. And then three-putted your way to a bogey. Bingo. So, I mean, I think there's more ace runs. It's, it's, it's kind of like all the same thing. Like, at Luffberry, really, if you think about it, at, at Luffberry – for somebody of like my caliber, there's more ace runs than you think. So like at Luffberry, like hole hole one's an ace run, hole two's an ace run, hole 
six for me is not because I struggle with throwing uphill. Um, if I get the distance, I can't have the accuracy. But like for Mock, Mock's gotten close. So six is kind of an ace run. Hole seven's an ace run. I mean, hole seven's really you're just pumping it sh- straight down the hill, straight and letting it fade to the basket. Hole eight is an ace run. Hole eleven can be an ace run. It's really it's just a it's just a straight shot. I mean, it's far, but I've got I've gotten to the basket when I played the tournament last or the when I played league night last week. I shot. I threw a beautiful shot, and I got I was twenty feet long of the basket. Wow. I mean, so technically it, that's kind of ace runny. And then the other thing too, you have to remember, like you guys don't get out and play as much as like me and mock do. And we don't get out and play as much as a lot of other people, but like hole 15, that straight up that, that straight up the hill with all the rocks. That's not a far shot. It's just, it's at the end of the course when you just came across the ravine twice. So you're tired, but really it's only 160 feet up the hill. You know, that's an ace run hole 16 is an ace run where the baskets like down past the fallen tree. Yep. I mean, really, I mean, like if, if you, the thing is, it's, it's about your distance, you know, like, so for you guys, you know, for you, Massey and Kyle, hole eight is probably only the really ace run hole. And the, even then it's not even really an ace run for like you and Kyle, just because you and Kyle aren't there with your forehand form yet. You know, like you and Kyle both have the power to get to the basket on a forehand, but the shot requires either something very powerful, flat and straight or, you know, like a flex type shot. And, you know, you guys just aren't quite there yet. Yeah, no, that, that's that's fair. Although I think, I think, I'm pretty sure, I think Kyle threw a forehand at the second course, a really good forehand at the second course. Forehand is uh, coming along. Yeah. Without having to practice it. Yeah. I will say though, it's like uh, after playing, you know, the Maple Hill. It's 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 kind of like it, like ah, I want to go back really bad. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said to Samantha. I was like, the biggest problem with playing a course like that is that it's it's not something that you can go do regularly, and I wish I could. Yeah, you get you get spoiled. Yeah, um, it's cool though. We and you brought up that point when we were up there. It's like you know, imagine you live, we'll call it twenty five minutes away. You buy a membership and you you go basically as often and you know as as you want. You know, yeah, have uh, memberships. Yeah, so if you live in the area, there's a membership where you just pay for the year. So you, you pay. I think I think it was something like three hundred bucks, which comes out to like, I think I did the math out. Like if you if you were to book online every time, it comes out to like thirty two rounds. And so like you think about it, like I would get the membership. I would probably if I lived if Luffberry was. Or if Maple Hill was as close to me as Luffberry is, I would. I mean, I've already played almost thirty rounds at Luffberry this year. And you, you know, know what I was going to say, like from, from an outsider, like we didn't really break the bank. You know, eighteen dollars no, for us to play, like that's not a big deal. No, that so like that trip was something for us that was it was more expensive because we played two courses, so we got food. We went to, you know, we went to, you know, one of the biggest disc golf stores we've ever been to, you know, and then we paid, we, we wanted to play two courses that are like prestigious courses and, you know, up there because of how big disc golf is up there, they're paid to play courses. So, I mean, like it was a hundred dollar day, but it, it didn't need to be. $165 from there. Kyle, that's because you decided to be fucking Santa Claus. Or <laughs> you guys were all thankful. 
as I tell you what, I was talking to Mark about it yesterday. We were both as much as we as much as I think all of us would have had a better time playing that pyramids course instead of the five hundred one course, just because I think the pyramids course, like for Kyle and Massey, the elevation change wasn't as drastic. For Pat, it was more like it was a more has more open holes, which Pat really likes. For Kendall, it just would have been sunny. Um, but like. I was talking about, I think we would have, I don't think we would have had as much fun only because as tired as we were going up and down the hills at the second course, pyramids, we would have, we, we would have played so much sooner. We would have played basically back like to back. That. Well, we, I mean, we would have still, we would have got food, but because like, because the course was right there, we probably wouldn't have driven 20 minutes out of the way to go get food. We probably would have either eaten at that food truck or there was like a small restaurant there that does like burgers and dogs and stuff. We probably would have just eaten there, hung out, and then played like an hour later. So like we probably would have been a lot more fatigued early on. Like like we were all kind of beat and done by like whole 12, 13 at the second course. We probably would have, but we probably would have felt more like, like, I mean, I don't know about how you guys felt. Like I was tired just from physically doing that much exercise and hiking with the bit, the bag and everything. But like my arm never hurt. Oh, my shoulder hurt at one point. Well, Kyle, your shoulder hurt because as you got tired, you just started tomahawking up the hill. Yeah, I know. It's hard for me to throw up hills. Right. So. Hey, can we talk about something real quick? Yeah, we should probably stop talking about disc golf in general. Um, I just got an update. Yep. Okay. The Orioles are seriously in on Shohei Otani. That would be cool. That would be a fun location for him. Yeah, that'd be that would be cool. And I think Baltimore can do something to where like he can <laughs> agree to an extension too, because they're not paying anybody yet. Well, and that'd be big for Baltimore because Baltimore's actually like they're they're showing that last year wasn't a fluke. They're still mm-hmm. being really competitive, but they're still mm-hmm. you know ever since ever since the Nationals. Ever since the Nationals' birth and the Orioles going on a skid at the same time, the Orioles have had a really hard time putting butts in seats. Yep, except this year. No, their their, their attendance is still way down. Yeah, but I, Shohei I, would be a perfect fit for them. That's what I'm saying. Like it would be a good like attraction. Like I listen to the Tony Kornheiser show, and he lives right in the DMV, and so like a lot of the guys that he has on are friends that he's made or colleagues through like the Washington post and other like, you know, and the, the Maryland area because of Rehoboth beach. So like, he, you know, he has a lot of people on that, you know, like do like some sort of beat reporting for like the Ravens or the Orioles and stuff like that. And every time they talk about it, like the Orioles, like, you know, when the fans are there, they have a great time. They're just not getting the fans there for like the weekday games and stuff like that. Whereas like, you know, like, you know, the fucking Yankees, the Yankees could be playing 500 below 500 baseball and would still draw on a Tuesday night. It would be cool too, for it'd be going to a technically speaking, smaller market team rather than all, all the Dodgers or the, the Mets Yankees. Well, the thing for from everything I've ever heard from, from everything I've heard from reporting for the thing, Shohei, it, it, for Shohei, it's not about money. It's about being in an environment that can produce the ability to win during his career and comfortability for his what what his needs are, mm-hmm. because he's he an international superstar. 
He's a he's a big deal on a multitude of countries. His his uh, deals, uh, his endorsement deals, and things like that are, you know, quote unquote complex. So for him, comfort is a big part of it. So it would be very interesting to see what would happen. A lot of people are speculating Seattle because you know all Asians go to Seattle. <laughs> there you go, Kyle. No, I'm not even being a jerk. Like it's a real thing. Because it's closer to Japan. No, I listen, I understand what you're saying. It was just it was funny the way you said it. I get it. I'm just saying. Like a lot of Japanese players play like to play in Seattle. They usually suck, but hey, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's it's gonna be interesting. It's cause it's gonna come, you know the question is gonna be, you know, like how important is winning versus like how important is it to be part of like a winning culture? Hey, all like, right, Can, is he a free agent this upcoming season or the next season? No, he's 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 not. A, I don't think he's a free agent until after the following season. All right. So realistically, I don't think the Angels are going to trade him at that point. Well, the, then he might, he might be a free agent. Let's see. Well, that's what I was wondering. Is there is there the likelihood of a chance that just nothing happens at all? No, there, there right, is a, right. a chance. That, um, there's a chance that he doesn't go at all. But like, because like the thing for the Angels is more so like, where are they? And so Kyle, he is on the last deal of his arbitration, so he'll be an right. unrestricted free agent in 2024. So next year. So he'll have one more year as an Angel after this year ends. Well, no, it says it says that 2020 for two for 2023. He's under an arbitration status, and in 2024, he's an unrestricted free agent. Okay. So, all right, I get it. He's a free agent after this year. Hold on, I'll be right back. Yep. Well, that... I believe I believe that's right. Yeah. But that first yeah, he's, year, he's a free agent. Wait, no, he's a free agent next year. Next year? I don't like that. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Right? Anaheim was in a very good spot before the five injuries that they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they just happen to have the five injuries. Well, here, that's the whole thing. Is like, if Shohei is not going to stay, like, if, if, there's, if, if there's no chance that Shohei stays, why would they not trade him? Because no, I agree. Like with Mike Trout's injury and everything else, there's no chance. That, you know, what I mean, if their chance of winning a World Series is, is, if their chance of making the playoffs is slim as it is, like, so why would you why would you lose him for nothing? I mean, you're talking you're talking about literally the best player, arguably the best player of all time. Like I I, I get it. But like, there's never there's not a report out there saying Shohei would never resign with the Angels. No, no, there's not. But again, like you, like we said though, if if you know if they feel that there's a chance he doesn't, you know you yeah. kind of you kind of have to take that gamble. Mm-hmm. The the problem with baseball is baseball is the only sport where. You're trading for. You don't know. You're trading for the complete unknown. 
Because, like, in football and stuff, like, you're trading for draft picks, but you're making the decision on who you're taking that gamble on. Mm-hmm. Whereas in baseball, you're, you're, you're picking a player, and there's no chance to change. Like, like you go, we're going to get player A, player B, and player C. Whereas, like, in football, you go, we're going to get draft pick one, two, and three, and then with those picks, we can pick from players A through F. Right. So it, it's a little bit different. And, and trading for and, prospects never works. Well, it's not true. It's not that it never works. Sometimes it works. The thing, though, is, is like, what? S- sorry. Go ahead. I'm yelling at TV. It's not that it never works. I mean, there, it's worked. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I mean, I think that in 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 the instance of trading for prospects for you know established, you know. Hall of Fame talent, you know what I mean? Like, that works more often. You know, like, look at the Red Sox. They gave up, you know, two of the top prospects in baseball for Chris Sale. And what did they get at the end of the day? What happened? Chris Sale won a World Series ring with Boston. And, you know, there's a pretty good chance Michael Kopik and and Yo Mankata don't play for the White Sox next year. And, and, And so what did they get? They traded away, you know, a World Series winning pitcher for, you know, one playoff appearance in the past five years. Right. So, it, you know, yes, the prospect thing doesn't always work, but that's kind of the, the, the whole deal is that you want the prospects because you have the ability to lock them up for long term if it does work. Did you see, um, kind of on topic, uh, on... Well, hold on. Let me finish real quick. Sure. Sorry. The point I was making earlier before I had to step away was what's going to, I think what's really going to matter for Shohei and what, or what's not for Shohei, but what's going to really matter the real, like when it comes down to it, the decision factor is going to be what's more important winning or the winning culture. And the reason I say that is because if he goes to the Dodgers, you know, his chances of winning are extremely high, but what the Dodgers are doing cannot last forever. It just can't. These players are eventually what's going to happen is the Dodgers are going to be paying these players money when they're no longer for the Dodgers. And it's going to create the inability to sign players like that again. I mean, you know, we make the jokes all the time about the Bobby Bonilla deal. But I mean, aren't the Dodgers going to be paying Mookie Betts like into 2039 or something like that or 2043 or something like that? some some like, crazy the, the Mookie Betts contract is massive. So um that you know that that ship is going to have to sail at some point. Now, how long it takes is who knows. But it is going to have to to set. The sun's going to set on that at some point. But like if he were to go to Baltimore or Seattle, his chances of winning the World Series in the next two years are much slimmer. But his chance of winning multiple World Series is probably greater. Yeah, I mean, him on a young squad on, on the rise, I mean, that's like a, a, a recipe for multiple championships. You know, right. if everything kind of works out, you know, right, you know, be it, you know, Baltimore, which seems to be kind of doing everything right right now, Seattle, which has definitely, you know, kind of turned things around for themselves in a big way. Be exciting. Well, and I think I think the interesting thing too is, is and Kyle. I'd like to see your take on this. Is like, 
I think it would be a lot more interesting for Shiotani's, um legacy if he were to go to a team that has a quote-unquote, you know, that doesn't have a humongous pedigree in terms of all-time greats, but has somebody that's been in the top 25 discussion all time. You know, if you go to if you go to the Yankees, you're immediately putting yourself in a discussion of, you know, like like Derek Jeter, for example. Derek Jeter is, you know, one of the best players that we saw play in our lifetime. I think I think everybody would agree with that. But Derek Jeter isn't even a top five Yankee all time when it's all said and done. Yep. Whereas if Shohei were to go to Seattle. There are a lot of people in the world that think Ken Griffey Jr. is the best baseball player of all time. And, but after him, the list, you know, the, the next ranking in terms of best player of all time, it goes dramatically downhill. Probably Felix Hernandez. Right. And Felix Hernandez is probably not a top 100 player all time. Same thing. He goes to the Orioles. You know who's his who's immediate competition? Cal Ripken, right? Yes. Or uh, the fuck's his name? Frank Robinson. So, but I mean, so from a namesake standpoint, probably Cal Ripken. But then maybe Frank Robinson. But then after that, it goes dramatically downhill. Huh. You know, but like the Dodgers, the Yankees. You know, not only is he going to be competing with actual talented players. You're going to be competing with, like, impactful players on the game itself. You know, like, like you know, I, I'm not a baseball guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not even close to what Kyle's at, and Kyle's not even close to some of these other guys. But, like, you know, like, is Jackie Robinson a top 50 player all time? If you take out, like, what he did for the game on its own and just put him up statistically, is he a He's top- a middle-of-the-road player. Yeah. Right, is he a top fifty player all time, top hundred player all time? No. No. Right. So but like but because of what he did for the sport, which you can't take away, you know, he he, he might be the biggest groundbreaking player of all time across all sports. You're compete that's another thing that you're competing with, which, you know, I, again, I don't think that matters to Shohei Otani, but you know, it, it, if he goes to a, a lesser, smaller market team that's had one or two greats all time, it kind of gives him uh, the ability to write the Sheho the Shohei Otani chapter of the Seattle Mariners story. Yeah, I understand. Whereas if he went to the New York Yankees, he would be part of the 2020s chapter of the New York Yankees. Right. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, you know, what Sh- what Shohei Otani does between 2024 and 2030 will be written in the same chapter of Aaron Judge hitting 60 home runs in a season. Yeah. Right. Whereas if he went to the Orioles, there would just be a Shohei Otani chapter. I think too that's what lends with so much that he's done to this point so impactful because, like the Angels, I feel like has definitely been overshadowed by the Dodgers through the the entirety of you know the West Coast expansion in in the in the fifties. Well, I think I think more so. I mean, I agree with you. I, I do think that the Dodgers have overshadowed the angels but i think the, the angels have just overshadowed themselves they make poor decision after poor decision and like i mean i said it on the car right up we were looking at it there's only been three teams in the mlb 
that have finished below 500 every season since 2018. The Angels are one of them, and they've had Mike Trout and Shohei Otani for all of those seasons. Yeah. Now, is Sho- was Shohei Otani in 2018 what he is now? No. Has Mike Trout been healthy? No. But, I mean, at the same time, if Mike Trout is on the field for only 80 games, you, you figure that they're probably going to win 50 of those games. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Kind of makes a fellow wonder. That makes Phil a wonder. Did you guys see that crazy fucking uh, thing for uh, Kylian Mbappe from PSG to that? Uh, Two hundred and fifty-nine million. Well, no. So the the transfer window offer was they offered PSG three hundred and thirty-nine million for his services for the mm-hmm. year, but then are they were but they're also prepared to make Mbappe a one-year contract extension offer for $1.1 billion. Oh, my God. Now, if you want some – people were asking, like, can you put this into American sports terms? LeBron James's career earning what would make twice what he's made in his soccer fan. Do you want, like, a good example of what it would be like? Mm. So – and went to Miami – Imagine if instead of going to Miami, he just quickly signed a one-year one. You know what I mean, like he just went and played for a Chinese basketball pro league team for a billion dollars, but uh-huh. at the age of five. That's crazy. That's like so he's, he's, he's real fucking guy. pretty solid, huh? You think he'll be better than the other two? Right now, he's the best soccer player in the world. Then can we end up? Um, I think it's. Soccer is a little tricky because you can do different things to your legacy. That's the one thing about international soccer, like not American MLS soccer, but like European soccer, is you can kind of shape your career and at the same time be like shit on in your career for various things. Because, you know, you play, not only do you play for your league title, there's a, there, or your, you know, your country's league title, but you also play for a country cup. You play in the Champions League, which includes all the country's clubs across Europe. You also play in international play, and you play in the World Cup, and you play in the Euro. So Mbappe, already at 24 years old or however old he is, has the same amount of World Cups as Lionel Messi. Hmm. So there's very little doubt that from an international standpoint, he will have a better career than Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi. Because not only does he, it's not like we're saying, oh, you know, it's not like we're saying, you know, you know, like uh, Boris Diaw has an NBA championship. Like, he, Mbappe wasn't right place, right time. He was a key factor in it and is continuing to produce at the international level. But Lionel Messi has, an out, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo both have, you know, a handful of Champions League trophies which are a huge deal. You know, that's something that we, you know, that it's very hard to compare what these players do to like the American level, because, you know, it's not, you know, after the NBA season, you know, during the NBA season, LeBron's not also competing for the North American, you know, league cup as a Laker playing for team USA, as well as playing in an international, you know, basketball championship. Right. So it's a little harder 
it's a little easier to 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 met, to do the metrics. Really, I th- the closest thing we have for like the way people compare soccer players internationally, the closest thing we have is trying to decipher who had a better career, Peyton Manning or Aaron Donald. How do you compare the two? Right. How do you weigh? How how do you weigh what Peyton Manning did to what Aaron Donald did? You, you almost can't. Yeah, I mean, w- without making it, you know. But it was just, I mean, that 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 would just be. I mean, but the thing is, is he, you know, he has the ability to decline the offer altogether, not just the one point one billion, but he has the ability to decline the transfer to the team. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. That's crazy. Yeah. Why would Messi come to the U.S.? Money. He has has nothing left to prove. He's won a French title. He's won a Spanish title. He's won the Spanish Cup. He's won Champions League. Now that he's won a World Cup, I mean, he owns owns legitimate stake in Apple now. That was part of his deal. He owns, like, shares in Apple. He he is making so much money over the next year; it's ridiculous. And I think to a certain degree too. I mean, he probably comes and plays at like you know, even at an advanced age, still probably can produce just fine. Well, yeah, I mean, the competition's a lot lesser here. Plus, the other thing too is is America the the fans of soccer in America, while diehard, are few. Mm-hmm. So he he's going to be able to open up a portal of Lionel Messi licensing here that, you know, outside of, you know, which prior were just, you know, Lionel Messi, Lionel Messi jerseys. I mean, I w- don't be surprised if you see a Lionel Messi line of Nike cleats that every fucking kid in America has. You know what I mean? Like, he, he has the ability now, you know, while America is so far behind the, the, the wavelength in soccer, they're so ahead of the wavelength in marketing celebrities. For, oh, yeah, 100%. For, for everything. I mean, like, Kyle, think about it. Like, think about, like, when LeBron retires, right, when he's done in the NBA. Think of not just how much money the team would be willing to pay him. Think of how much money China would throw at him to come play in the Chinese league. The guy could the guy could go play in the Chinese league. He could play 26 minutes a game and never take a shot and make more than fucking Victor Wembanyama is going to make here. <laughs> Imagine that a 45-year-old LeBron James out there. Doing his well, thing in China. It's the power of being an international star. That's what it. That's what it is. You know what I mean? It's the power of international stardom. You know, it's you yeah. know that's one thing that a lot of people here, a lot of people in the United States, forget about because the sport that dominates our country is just that, an American sport. Yeah, we play games in Mexico and Europe and whatever, and and people come out and they show up and they watch it on TV, but you know. Football in, you know, Mexico is just as big as basketball is in Germany. You know? Mm -hmm. 
it's just American, you know, so people kind of forget that, you know, like American football, I mean, like Tom Brady is an international superstar, but Tom Brady couldn't, couldn't get that money outside of the United States. Maybe, you know, if he wanted to do something for the Canadian football league or something like that. But I mean, his marketability is just not the same. Right. Yeah, it just it, it for whatever reason it just it doesn't it doesn't translate the same way that these other stars in these sports do. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. What else is on our uh, agenda for the night? Um, well, you know, it's funny, Paul, I figured we could kind of jump on this just for a second. Um, talked about like Nike for a second and like their ability to just market just about anything. And it's too bad that the mess and mock aren't on the show, but I've wanted to do this now for a few weeks. And it's just about like branding and like stuff that like we like ourselves consider as important. Like, you know, Hey, I only buy this for this reason. And Oh, you buy this. Well, you're wrong for this reason. And I actually, it was Kyle who kind of gave me the idea initially about it. I don't remember what we were talking about. And then the next day, I saw like a, a Heinz commercial, and Heinz was like, "Oh, it's got to be Heinz," and like their, their whole their their whole marketing is like, you know, ketchup is pretty much ketchup. Like I kind of have a tough time, like, like I, maybe subtly I can know, oh, this isn't Heinz ketchup, but really ketchup is pretty much the same everywhere you go. But they're going out there and saying that, hey, we're the best, and you're a fool for not you know buying our product. So I was just curious if you guys had you know stuff that you like, hey, I stand by this, you know, company through thick and thin for X reasons, X, Y, and Z, you know, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, like I can give you a perfect example. Um, you know, Samantha, when we moved into the apartment, I told Samantha, you know, I, I don't care if she wants to buy all natural. I don't care if she wants to buy reduced fat, whatever health thing she wants to do, whatever it is. But like, it, it in in this house, it's 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 Jif or nothing. <laughs> hey, choosy moms uh, choose Jif. I'm I'm a Jif I'm a Jif guy through and through. I, I I will not. I mean, I'll have peanut butter that's not Jif because it's what's available kind of thing. But I'm not buying peanut butter. I'm not buying peanut butter that's not Jif. Now it's so interesting because I mean, I, I it's so just a lot of it. I mean, a lot of it is like, I mean, like, don't, like, here's the thing. I think that Jif tastes better than all the other peanut butters. Mm-hmm. But I also, I also grew up in a, a two, like a two parent divorced household. And all four of my parental figures growing up were all Jif eaters. That's just, that's the way it was. It's the same thing where it's like, like, like I can't stand the taste of diet soda. But if I were going to, if someone told me, hey, you have to have a diet soda, it would be diet Coke. I couldn't do diet Pepsi. And I, I'll drink Pepsi. I, I'll never order a Coke over a Pepsi. If both are available, it's Pepsi all the way. That's more of a taste preference than a brand loyalty. Mm-hmm. But, like, Diet Coke is just like, that's the, that's the <laughs> diet soda. <laughs> that's a diet soda across the that's board. The <laughs> I, I, you know. So that's interesting. You mentioned Jeff because I, I grew up in a Skippy household. And, like, I don't love I don't I think I love peanut butter enough to really like oh well Skippy is the superior because I just I don't feel that way but what I do feel is that Peter Pan peanut butter is the worst peanut butter ever created. Yeah, that that's true. <laughs> and I will fight anyone on this. 
Peter Pan's terrible. Peter Pan's the sunflower seed peanut butter. <laughs> well, that's like, yeah, I mean, that's like a, a, an alteration of peanut butter because it's like not really, it's not peanut butter, it's it's sunflower butter. So it's made, from, it's made from the oil from sunflower seeds. It's like almond butter and cashew butter and stuff like that. Like it's the same concept, but it's a different ingredient. I had a just real quick. Uh, we were doing a food drive through one of the radio stations one time, and I saw someone came to the table with a a thing of Peter Pan peanut butter, and I was just trying to like be joking and playful. I wasn't thinking, and I was like, "Oh, I see you bought the fifth best peanut butter," and like the the DJ who was like working with me gave me this look, like, "Why would you say that?" <laughs> To someone who's donating. And it wasn't until he walked away like, oh my god, why did I say that? It's funny. Well, I mean, like, there's a lot of brands that are like that. I think a lot of people, like, I mean, I'm not a tuna fish guy, but I feel like most people see either Bumblebee or Starkist. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? There's a lot of brands that are like that. You know, I, I think that, like, like it, it's, I think brands kind of fall, like, like for, especially for food, it falls into, like, two types of categories it's either like there's one a and one b like coke and pepsi mm-hmm. now regardless of your opinion like there's just one a and one b like yeah there's the rc colas of the world and whatever but like it's it's coke and pepsi that rule the world it's like sports drinks it's like all the prime energy drinks and stuff can come out all they want it's gatorade and powery that yeah. run the table right. you they know also have their moment um, in the sun for 10 minutes but right but it's it, it is what it is or it falls in like you know the same thing like i think jiff and skippy are one a one b or there's the type of thing where it's like there's just there's just one, and everything else is you know, three A, three B, and three C, like ketchup, like it's Heinz, and then like like it's not Heinz and Hunts, it's just Heinz. Like like Hunts is like you know like, Hunts is like it's it's like just above store brand. Right, and you know I I bring this up and like I, I before I mentioned I said I don't know if I could really tell the difference, and this may be kind of bougie, but like you go to like a picnic or whatever, and you see like you know the condiments come out like oh I guess they don't have pines here, and like I I don't know it's like it doesn't matter, but it's it's just, it's it's something I well, always I think, think. I think the thing with Heinz is it's more so that like Heinz has done, and Kyle, I mean your your family, your dad and your uncle Vinny are very big proponents of this product, the picnic pack. Yeah. Right, Kyle? Get get three to a package. You're uh, like, Kyle, your, your dad will go to days and he'll buy the pack that comes with two Heinz ketchups, a Heinz mustard, and a Heinz relish. French is mustard's king. No, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you, but what I'm saying is like, your, your dad's a buyer of that, right? Yeah. And I think the reason for it is that, like, like you know, French's, if they do make a ketchup, I'm unaware of it. <laughs> Hunt, Hunt's makes a mustard. I don't know about it. But Heinz makes all of them. Heinz makes ketchup. They make mustard. They make relish. They make spicy brown. And the big thing is the big three components for the picnic cookout, the Heinz, the, the ketchup, mustard, and relish, they put them all in, you know, the same bottle, and it's identifiable bottles. You know, like, Hunts, it's like weird. It's like it's, it's like that. Uh, it's it's like not that see through plastic. It's it's red. Right. And so you'd think that the more you use it, you'd be able to see through, but you never do. Right. And it's also got like that really long neck. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That that picnic bundle is a genius. That's like the greatest thing ever invented. Like, hey, I'm having a, people over. I need all these things quick. Boom. All in a yeah. cardboard package. 
something like like brand what so like GIF. I mean, like you know, I mean, un- until like Kyle, I think Kyle and I are in the same boat. Like until it, unless it, until it becomes more widely available, like the Grizzly Snus, like I do like it. But like like if if I go to a gas station, like I'm gonna I'll buy a flavored Camel Snus I like less than buying another brand's like Frost Snus. No. Like, if I go to the gas station and they're out of both sizes of Camel Frost, I'll buy Camel Winter Chill before I buy Zin Mint. Correct. <laughs> it, it's just, like, I'm just, like, I'm just brand loyal to Camel when it comes to the snus. Just like I'm brand loyal to Grizzly when it comes to Chew. Yeah, I thought, you know, Grizzly Long Cut was all over Skull, in my opinion. Um... And I, I like – what's that? The quality is better. Yeah. And, like, if there was more novelty flavors, like, the kayak grape for me was good, but it's a novelty. You, I, I couldn't be a regular thing that I was dipping. It, it just couldn't because it, it, right, was, it was like, – It was like the Skull Rich blend. Right. It, it's like all those kayak flavors were they're, – they're, the, the, it was trash. Like, you need right. to have it. Well, Skull was cool because they, they had all the different flavors. You could get Skull Cherry and you could get the the extra blend and you could get citrus and all these things. But but their wintergreen mint and straight were all vastly inferior to Grizzlies. Yeah. All three of them. Yeah, and just I, it, I'm not a big mint guy. I I would buy mint grizzly mint long cut before I would buy skull straight. And just was like the little things, the way like it packed way way better. Yep, and it's just like it's it's the little things. It's just a much better product. I think the other thing too is, is I'll give it to Grizzly. Is I just think that you're I think you're more likely to have a better have have a better put out on your marketing when you include an animal, like as a mascot. Like like what's Skull's mascot? They don't have one. <laughs> uh, it's like, the Skull platypus, Paul. Everybody knows it. Oh, all right. <laughs> hey, you guys want to hear something funny? Yes. Okay. <laughs> So the Milwaukee Brewers on their Jumbotron are not licensed beer makers. Uh, be funny, but hold on. i got to find it. Um, Can you imagine if that was like a thing? Like, <laughs> oh, you want to play for the Brewers? Well, you take a six-week course on how to make beer. <laughs> a- a- LED La Cruz is first to bat, wide mm-hmm. out the center, right? Mm-hmm. And, their, and their thing, it says, almost hit a home run in the first inning, but didn't. That's funny. <laughs> and then next to bat, he went 456. Hilarious! <laughs> <laughs> that kid's gonna be something special. Yeah, he's pretty good. If he can stay healthy, it, 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 not even stay healthy, like he can have injuries as long as he doesn't have injuries that diminish his speed. Like he'll still be a great ball player if he's not able to steal the bases like he does and has that speed because he's he, he's not a bad glove. He's got a good bat. He's got the length. But like, if he doesn't, if his speed can stay intact for the next eight to ten years of his career, he's just going to be a real problem. Single-handedly making the Reds better. Um, yeah, not even better, just relevant again. Yeah. Well, Joey Votto might not retire now. <laughs> it's like, you know what? I got all the left in the tank. I hope he retires. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, for real. That guy can suck a sock. <laughs> We should um, play yeah, a game. The other thing too, I mean, you know, I, like, I think one of the, uh, it, it's funny. I, I would even go as far. I just, I would love to get Massey's opinion on this, but I think it even kind of goes hand like the one A one B thing. Like, 
I feel like it's fair to say that like Nintendo and Sony are one A one B, and like Microsoft clearly takes a backseat. Well, that's a thing too, and I it seems like I've missed Massey for weeks now because I wanted to like there's so many technology things that I feel like he would just have such strong opinions on, and it's like you know we miss and we can always revisit this, but that's a great example. Like I I don't know I I don't know really anything about that stuff. I could look it up. Like I could look up like what units sold are and stuff like that. And honestly, like the the level of um loyalty has diminished a touch from the standpoint of like like you think of like massively played games like the show, like now that you can get it on Xbox, you know, like there were people that probably bought an, uh, the newer Xbox because they couldn't get a PS5 because they could get the show now. Well, I mean, that was a huge thing. Because I remember, you know, in high school, you know, both Kyle, Jeff, and myself, we were all Xbox 360 people. And then they're like, Kyle was like, hey, I, I want to be able to play the show because it's just better than 2K. And yeah. boom, that, that that was the transition to the PlayStation. Right. Uh, 360 some... was good. The 360 was good. There are some it was better than PS3. There are so much, there, it depends on like what your like thing for exclusives are, you know, like the Uncharted versus the Halos, and things like that. You know, like that's that's one thing that like you can say whatever you want about like all the different like exclusives between Nintendo between Sony and Xbox. But the exclusives for Nintendo are just nostalgic to the end of time. I mean, Mario will never not sell. Right. Zelda will never not sell. Pokemon will never not sell. I mean, Nintendo can literally come out with a roll of toilet paper as a tax, <laughs> and they'll sell 1.1 billion units in a year, no problem. Now, I got I got one for you now, Kyle. I mean, this one doesn't apply to you as much. No offense. Oh, uh, but before you do that, I have one more funny thing. Okay, the Colorado Rockies had had four pitchers get Tommy John today. Jesus! Wow. One in, in the majors, three in the minors. That's fucking terrible. Wait, they all got mm. surgery? Or they all got the yeah. injury? Uh, two of them had surgery, and then two of them are getting the surgery, like, next week. <laughs> My God. Hey, let me tell you something. They're going to have four guys that are going to throw real hard in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Kyle, this one doesn't apply to you as much. I'm not doing it as a shot. It's just because. Paul, um, right, I get it. So, not counting, like, loyalty point and, like, reward point places, like, Kendall, do you find yourself being, like, like favor in favor of, like, a specific gas station brand? Um, kind of. Uh, it, it, it's really weird. Um, it's, it's really just for, like, companies that, like, like, I grew up with, if that makes any sense, like... I go to mobile a lot just because, like, oh, I know mobile. Who do, who doesn't know mobile? Uh, yeah. And like, I'll, I'll like I'll avoid the we'll call it the the quote. Oh, oh my god, what's that place on on one fifty in Wallingford? Um, I mean, I, I like Roadrunner. Well, it's like that's sort of like an example. I can't think of the, the name of the place. It used to be a Texaco station. It's right like you're going on the way to uh, Suburban. Um, oh. Yeah, oh, it's global. Still pretty much, it's still pretty right next to oh. Parker Farms. Oh. Global, yeah, right? Global. Yeah, yeah, global. Like, 
I, yeah, like the standalone places. Yeah, like I find myself now. I when I lived at my parents' house, I would go there just because it was the closest gas station to the house. But in general, like I, I come along to those places. A lot of times, I'll just like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna hold out for the Exxon or whatever. You tell me you don't go to that that random one with winds over in it. <laughs> no, like and, like, it, and of those two, like, um, I'm trying to remember that one on the left hand side. Was the a was a shell on the right hand side the Henny Penny right that's the I know it used to be Tiger Mart the Henny Penny is next to Neil's Donuts yeah so on the I, other side it's like a Tiger Mart yeah so yeah. I'll I'll go to the Henny Penny side like almost every time versus the other just because like oh I know this brand see for me it's it's not brand loyalty it's convenience loyalty whatever gas station's on my side of the road. Yeah, I mean, I I mostly do that, that that way. But another thing too, and I find myself just in general, I get my gas basically exclusively on the highway. Do I pay more? Yeah, but I'm just so lazy. It's like, all right, I barely have to do anything. I just take a right and then I get right back on. Yeah. And those are all mobiles. That's fair. That's when I was like, you know, I got a blanket preference. Oh yeah, well, what do you got? Like I don't really know like the brand, but that's got to be like a silky blanket. You're not like um, they I think they call them Afghans. The one that has like a bunch of holes in it. I can't do those. Fuck those. Those suck. That's such a weird thing to me. Like my mom had like an Afghan blanket, and she like swore by it. And I was like, what is this? Every everybody has one. Everybody <laughs> has one. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, they're nice looking. They're extremely, like, useless in my opinion. Did my, my toes get, like, into the holes? It's not even that. It's just that, like, why is it that a blanket that is, you know, 60% of its surface area's holes is heavier than any blanket I own? <laughs> it's like, hey, this blanket is, you know, 60% less blanket than the next blanket, but it feels like I'm putting a fucking rug on me. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. I need, like, a silky blanket. Yeah, I'm kind of that way. Not, not a comforter, because those are too heavy. So, you know what's weird? Like, when I, when, I, when I go to bed after this, I really only want the comforter on me. I don't, like, Rebecca's like, oh, we gotta be under the sheet, this, that, and the other. Like, no, I just want... I'll sleep with just the comfort around me all year long. It's like the perfect amount of temperature for me. I, for I don't me, know why. For me, for me, it doesn't matter. Just as long as there's something. Yeah, ass up, face down, baby. <laughs> it's, for, me, for me, it's got to be... For me, as long as it's something, that's all I care about. And as, lo- and, and as long as it's not tucked into anything. Can't be tucked in. Drives me nuts. Yeah. Because I, I need to be able to kick my feet out. Yeah. What pillow preferences do you guys have? Uh, one pillow, something that my head can sink into because I'm a stomach sleeper, so I don't like my neck being, like, strained. So, like, like honestly, like, like, I want, like, for me, like, the, the like, more, the more flimsy the pillow, the better. Like, so it, Honestly, so it's like almost like I'm sleeping just without one. Yeah, I need to be elevated. So but you're 
But Kyle, you're a side sleeper. Yeah. So when you're a side sleeper, you're looking at two pillow minimum, even if they're thick pillows, because you're already combating for the, the, the distance between your shoulder and the side of your head. Not to mention if you like to have your head up a little bit, tilted. Like for, like for me, like if I slept with a thick pillow or two pillows on my stomach, I mean, I, I'd be fucking, I, I would wake up smelling my own asshole. <laughs> so, I mean, despite how whacked out this guy was, my initial ownership of a my pillow was excellent. Was so great. Endorsed the product through and through. I've noticed now, I don't know if somewhere along the line, like Rebecca ended up with my pillow or whatever, or if it got left somewhere. I don't think I'm sleeping on the same pillow that was purchased for me. Because I've, I've not slept as well. And, you know, they, they give you the whole nonsense. Oh, give us your T-shirt size, and that's the pillow that's, like, designed for you if you're a side sleeper or whatever. I, I don't I don't think either the pillow doesn't hold up over time or my pillow has gone missing or she stole it, whatever. But I, well, I will say the my pillows, I, I, I do believe that if you – after one wash and dry, they're no longer the same pillow. Maybe that's what it is. Because they're because they're, my pillows like the stuff that's in them. It's too like fluffy, so like it gets like it, it gets. It, it's like when you wash like a teddy bear and you have to like re shove the stuffing into the, the yeah. separate part teddy bear. Well, that's the thing, and I've noticed like I I could sort of re fluff the pillow, but by the next morning or whatever, like it's it's never maintaining the shape like it first did. Like or, or or that the support just isn't there. It, it, uh, you're saying all the material like goes to one side. But initially, when I first had it, it was awesome. It was a it was like better than the commercial gave it credit. Yeah, I I got one for Christmas one year. I think from your parents, and I, I did not care for it. That's so weird. Like I mean, I I, I didn't I, like it. My it mom. Too, it, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Are we still there? Oh, yeah. There we go. Uh, I, I fold my pillows in half, too. I do that, too. If I'm sleeping if I'm sleeping on my side, the pillow gets folded in half. I would rather sleep with one pillow folded in half than two pillows. Sometimes you sleep better on a couch. Sometimes a good couch sleep is awesome. Also, I was also a big fan of how Kyle, whatever, uh, whenever Kyle would hang out, he'd hang out in Kyle's room. It would never be a throw blanket; it would be the full comforter from his bed. Would be his blanket <laughs> on the... You just would see him drag it like a kid bringing his bank, <laughs> <laughs> and then he would get on and just kind of ball it all up on his crotch. His legs would be out, his arms would be out. He's like, I really like to keep the heat in. <laughs> you know, be a really funny thing to do, and it really would be worthless to the listeners of this if we were to ever rank the furniture we slept on at all each other's houses over the years because <laughs> some were much better than others we can draft that right now if you want <laughs> well listen i would love to do that well you know what honestly the only people that would really warrant from doing that would be us three because you know mock has stayed over a handful of times but not like we did that's what I'm saying. We should get a draft right now. I mean, I can. You said we're drafting the worst things. No, no, like uh, well, the best. 
Oh, all right. So I can tell we, you what. We you... Could, why don't we just draft furniture stuff? All right, I'm let's all do it. it. Let's do it. It, it could be good. You have to have at least three good and two bad. All right. So three three good places that we've slept in our friendship group and two bad. Yeah. Okay. All right. uh, I'm thinking of a number one to 26. 17. 14. Kind of. Uh, correct answer was 18. I go first. Uh, <laughs> See how that worked out? Paul Kendall, me. I'll take the wraparound. All right. So... I mean, are we excluding our own beds? Right, right. Yeah. Be- beds okay. are out just like staying in someone so, else's house. I don't know what the best is. I, I really don't. I'd have to think about it. And it's tough because I, be- I think best is subjective. But worst is not. So I'm going to take the worst <laughs> off the table. And it's the red couch in Kendall's parents' basement. It is the worst answer. thing. It is the worst thing that you could sleep on because not only is it like love seat sized, the sides are just vertical. like and so like if you try to squeeze yourself onto it so that your head is on the flat part that means that right about where your hips are have to make a quick 90 degree turn upwards um it it, and and you know you're also sleeping on 1920s leather with the fucking upholstered buttons in it um and you know it's good leather so it doesn't rip it cracks so it cuts you um, so it's by far the worst thing I've ever slept on in my entire life, to be honest. Um, and so I'm going to take that. Hey, um, that couch is finally hitting the chopping block. Would you guys come over to say a few words? I thought you said, it, didn't you just like defend it? Like not that long ago. It was like, it was never going to like retire. Well, I, it turns out that I guess, uh, bears really gotten to it over the past few months and oh, yeah, and now it's become unsalvageable. Not that really it was before, but I mean, I would like to. I, if you mean like, say, like take a sledgehammer to it, I would. I would very much like that. <laughs> be, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking for good positive vibes here. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I would like to be the person that dismantles it by <laughs> myself because I was. I was the person that dismantled a, a future pick in this draft, the futon at Jeff's house. <laughs> Oh man! I, would, I, I, I solo dismantled that that couch. <laughs> All right, my pick. Yep. All right, I'm taking uh, the leather couch at Maple. The couch I'm sitting on right now. The yeah, uh, the, the white leather, a beige leather couch. Yeah. That was as a, a as an opera bottom. As uh, I mean, as like a as like a best thing you slept on, or a worst thing. You oh, slept a, on? a best thing. Oh, okay. I I enjoyed sleeping on that, and because though it was leather, which could be kind of like subjective in 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 the summertime, I never felt it to be too like skin sticking. Yeah. It was it was a, a good worn leather. I was a big fan of sleeping on this couch, too. Yeah. All right, Souls, you got back-to-backs. I'm going with Jeff's couch. The the futon? No, it wasn't a futon. The couch? It was just a, it was just a couch. Like the couch Can, he has now? No. Um, it was like a wooden couch. Remember? Can we remember those? The ones oh, wood- yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I think that was supposed to be a futon that broke. Wasn't it? Didn't that? Th- th- I thought it used to fold. 
I'm not sure. No. So there used to be uh, two I, of them. I, that's the couch that I'm thinking about. That's the couch I broke was the wooden couch. Because that was the couch he had at Bailey that came with us. Because he, he brought it with because he thought we were going to need it, and then it went in the basement. Yeah. yeah there's a, there's a, it's like a wooden couch. Yeah. You know what's funny is on anybody else's list, that would be a bottom, but that is a top for Kyle. <laughs> Dude, it's one of the it's like the best sleeping I've ever had in my entire life. Kyle has put in some serious snores on that couch. It promised like, you know, Paul and I suffer from we're just too long for that really to be a feasible option. Yeah. Slept on it many times, don't get me wrong, yeah. but woke up some woke up with some serious leg cramps. Yeah. That couch was perfect. I will say though, there what every once in a great while, you'd find a spot where you can get like in the very like top corner. And like your no, feet. it wasn't the top corner. It was when you would, for for me, it was always like whenever you would adjust a certain way because the mattress thing that the cushion was thin as fuck. <laughs> right, um, you're welcome. That was for me. Yeah, the uh, the the part was like you would you would adjust a certain way and like your hip bone would just pop in between two of the wood panels and kind of rest. So instead of being on a slab of wood, it was in between two, and that well, that would always hit nice. Yeah, but otherwise, yeah. terrible sleeping. I don't yeah. care what anybody says. I love that fucking couch. <laughs> I was just always a fan of the uh, the wooden couch with the uh, the the coffee table with glass panes. And, <laughs> and oh, by the way, in case you were wondering at home, that coffee table was pushed right up to the front of the entertainment stand <laughs> that we watched TV on. That was seven inches from our faces. <laughs> there was so much furniture in such a short amount of space. He had he had what he had one. There were three dressers. Two beds, three dressers, a twin bed, a queen, uh, a full size bed, a couch, and then at one point, I'm pretty sure there was a recliner behind the couch that didn't work. Yeah, there was a ridiculous amount of furniture in there to the point that, like, how did we even like move around there effectively? Yeah. Oh, plus an plus a full like 1990s like home entertainment thing yeah. that would be in the living room. Oh man, what a what a great time! I'm gonna go around and take my set. My my least favorite was Vito's floor. Yeah, Vito's floor is pretty rough. Because he never gave you anything. Yeah. You're sleeping on the floor with a blanket. Yeah, Vito, and that, the, honestly, the blanket, there was a pretty good chance that it was just something that was used for his mom's salon. <laughs> Kendall, you're up. All right. Um, I'm going to take... I think I'm going to take the spare Jeff twin bed. All right. Um, to get answer. As, as uh, aforementioned, Jeff had 27,000 pieces of furniture in that room. For whatever reason, he had two beds, which was convenient for us because we were staying over there very often. Um, yeah, but then, then it took a real turn for you guys when I moved in. And then that became my bed. Yeah, Paul <laughs> Paul took that bed for the the latter part of Bailey Avenue, um, but which was fine for Kyle because he got the couch. Couch, but still a very comfortable bed. I don't know. Did, now, there had to have been a lot of nights when I was living there where the four of us were together all night. Did you always sleep with Jeff when that happened? Not always, because there <laughs> there was the period of time where that chair was there. So, yeah. but. A lot of times, I just there stayed were, in the same bed. There was also a computer chair in that room at all times. <laughs> I forgot about that. 
There was a computer chair, and then there was like a weird like bar thing in the back left corner. Yeah. Forget about that. All right, so it's back to me now with back to backs. Yep. Uh, question: Are we taking dorm items? No, that's oh. not our house. Okay. All right, that's fair. Because I was gonna, I was gonna double down on my worst things and take uh, the air mattress that then very quickly became bored. <laughs> um. All right. Well, I mean, you know. It, it, you can't take something. You can't not take something that you, you spent more time in than your own bed for a duration of time. So I'm going to take the love seat in Kyle's room. As a good or bad? As a good. I, I did some serious work on that love seat. I still don't understand how you sleep like that. Yeah, I don't know. it was. It's only that couch. It's only that <laughs> love. I don't get it. But um, yeah. So I'm going to take the love seat that was in Kyle's bedroom, and then uh. I guess I guess I can't take the twin bed that was in your basement, Kendall, because that was only there because I lived there. Like that wasn't like a staple. Like it wasn't there after I left, and it wasn't there before I got there. So I, can, I don't think I can take that. Um. So, what am I gonna take? You know, I'm gonna take. No, I'm gonna take Mox couch. At his house. House. The 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 one at his current house. Mm. It's a, it's a pretty comfy couch. It's nice and wide. Yeah. I'm a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that is the worst part, but it's a pretty comfy couch. Yeah. All uh, right, Kendall, you. All right, so I'm going to take a worst here. And. Don't you fucking do it. No, I mean, I, there's a chance, Paul, you may have experienced this. Actually, you would have. You would have, because you, you were at. Um, at uh, Gravel Street. But mm-hmm. Kyle had this recliner that was so beat to hell that all the padding in the leg portion was gone. I didn't even understand how it happened. It, like, disintegrated to a point that it was just, like... <laughs> it's just it like was ma- a Steelers recliner. It was just, like, material over wood. That's, and- that's a, I should have taken it. That, I was going to take that. Because <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I slept on the floor to not sleep on that recliner. <laughs> And it's like, like, ah, oh, man, I, I got to avoid the floor here. It's like, you sleep in the recliner, and it's like, you know what? I'm just going to move. Yeah, that Steelers recliner was worse. I was about to pick that. <laughs> that, that was awful. That is a terrible. I, I also had a nice hand in destroying that recliner. <laughs> yeah, we threw it over the top. We threw it Dirt off. We threw it, off the, we threw it off the top porch into the, uh, <laughs> into the driveway. And the thing is, the recliner he had before was, like, so much better. And I don't know what became of that one, but it was. Remember yeah, those two recliners, too? They were so big. Yeah. Black leather ones? No, they might have not been leather, but like they were in the basement where we would play the video games all the time. There would be the couch and then the two recliners. Yeah. You can just fall asleep like a bed in those two recliners. When you went to. Because when you moved into Prospect, didn't you get the old black recliners that were in that living room at Gravel Street? You got one yeah. of them? Yeah. Yeah, those died. The recliner that they bought me sucks. Yeah. That that gray one. Yeah. It kind of sucks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you got back to backs. I'm taking Mox Couch on Maple on uh, what's the fucking? I almost said Maple Hill. Oh, Circle Drive. Yeah. Okay. 
the couch was so big and it was so comfortable. Paul, that was a place I wish you could have experienced because the basement was awesome. And for whatever reason, he had like, I, I can't even explain it. It was like stadium seating, but for couches. Mm. Like there was like a couch and then a, a couch to the side and then a couch behind that. It was the weirdest thing. I don't know what the purpose was. And you walk upstairs and you're blind. Um, it's, That was like the darkest room. It was like you're in a cave. I'm going to take Paul's bed. On uh, Maple Ave. Oh, you slept in that like once. Slept on it more than once, Paul. Yeah. We cuddled a lot. <laughs> Great homo. Be all right. You liked it. <laughs> no denying that. I'm taking it as a good one. All right. All right. Hey, I'm not opposed to it. Paul, back to back, final two. Final two? All right. Wait, wait, so, I get, uh, it's me, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Kendall, it's Kendall. I got one. This is my last one? No, you have one more. You and Kyle each have one more. All right, so I need another, another bad. I have two good. Um. All right, I need a ruling. <laughs> the bed that's currently in, in, my, in my house where the like the nursery is. Can I take that or does that not count? I mean whose bed is it? Well it's mine, technically. But it's it's that right Mike, why would you be able to take that? That's your bed. Well, because it was always the spare bed. That's why I, I mean it. I I'll 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 exclude it. What do you mean it was always the spare when where did you have a spare bed in your house? You know when his grandmother was alive. Yeah, yeah, you know did that horrible oh, mattress? The spare bed at Beanie's room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's not the friends' houses. That doesn't count. Okay, no, that, that's that's fair. But somebody should take that because that that bed sucks. All right. Um, well, you are an anomaly. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm so bummed that I missed out on the Steelers recliner. <laughs> That was truly awful. <laughs> okay. Really awful. I think. I think I'm going to take the red living room couch that was at Gravel Street. Because the difference was between that and the maple, both were you know leather. This one was one of the ones that like it would the in air conditioning on freezing cold couch, and then your skin would still stick to it. It, it was t- terrible. Not a good sleeping couch. I don't even remember that couch. All right, so I need, I need a, so I got back to backs. So I need a good and a bad. Yeah. Right. What were my other two good ones? What were my two good ones that I took? Um, oh, I took and I took the love styles room. Yeah. Alright. I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the floor at the upstairs bedroom at Gravel Street as a good one. 
I got some serious Z's on that fucking floor. In my room? Yeah, your room. The upstairs one, though. Yeah. Yeah, I got some serious fucking sleep on that floor. And then... So did Kendall until Max came into the room. Yeah. <laughs> and then for bad ones... Bad ones, bad ones, bad ones, bad ones. You know, bad one. I'm gonna take the floor in Kendall's bedroom. That was a pretty stiff carpet. It wasn't the carpet. It was just that you had, you know, you're you're a collector of trash and things. No trash. And the way your room was, because you had a queen size bed in your room, I had, and like you had the entertainment stand. I had to sleep at like at a. I had to sleep. Like I was a fucking obtuse angle in between a stack of CDs on the ground, a fucking milk crate full of shit. And, uh, you know, you couldn't put a mattress or an air mattress in there. But remember, we got that mattress up there a few times. Yeah. And let me tell you something. It was never worth it because the (laughs) work book was insane. It was it was just. Yeah, I can't I, I just can't think of anything. Like, I'm trying to think of places, like, because, look, I've slept in some pretty bad places in everybody's house, but not with regularity. Like, it wouldn't have been a choice. <laughs> so, like, I can't, can't think of, like, because Gravel Street, I mean, it was just always Kyle's room. And then, like, I, I, I'm not taking anything into, like, account at Prospect after I started dating Samantha. So like like I like the living room couch or like Waka's recliner, those were all great. But like I would have never slept on those like if I was just overseeing Kyle. That was a post. That was like a post seeing Samantha kind of thing. Right. F's room. I think we took everything that I can think of outside of. I mean, I slept on the floor in Jeff's room once, but again, not with regularity. And I didn't really do a lot of sleeping over at any of Mark's places. I never slept in Massey's. I slept at Massey's, but not enough to remember what it was. Uh, I think I've only stayed one time. Mm, actually, no. You know what? Do, if I've slept at a place twice, does it count as enough? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. All right. I'm going to take back Kendall's floor. So, in Pat's dining room, there was a weird love seat up <laughs> against the wall. <laughs> that love seat had, like, one of those dividers in between the middle of it. It was the worst fucking thing to sleep. I, sl- I fell asleep in that albeit intoxicated twice and it was the worst nights because the recliner was up against the wall so you couldn't recline it you could put the footrest up but you couldn't recline it so you were sleeping in the shape of an L and you <laughs> couldn't move you couldn't move side to side because you had two fucking armrests yeah from that yeah I'm gonna take that as my as my other worst Kendall okay I got one more best and I was lucky. I saved best for last. The Gravel Street Futon, which survived for basically one month before <laughs> Kyle's terrible father gave it away. That was like the most redeeming place to sleep. It, it, it was so perfect. You're hanging out. Time to go to bed. Boom. Futon. Even, and even that little like wooden like couch that turns into like the bed frame like that didn't even matter like that 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 cushion was soft enough you could throw it right on the ground and i'm surprised you didn't take the mats 
Well, I should have taken those first. The, the, <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. You talk about the gray mats. Yeah, yeah. that, that the, was the, a word. The gray mats came from this house. <laughs> On my floor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I brought those over like for us. Those things were so awful. Because <laughs> one, they were just thin enough where they didn't matter. Um, they were just they were just narrow enough where you you had to sleep like you were in a fucking coffin. And if you, try, if you tried to double them up, you just fell off. And if you tried to put them side by side, you ended up in between them. There was one time I got it to really work well. I, I like tucked the like a, a comforter around that they kind of it stayed tight enough throughout the night. But it was a one time deal. I never was able to duplicate that success again. And Kendall woke up to. Attitude Era City blaring. Yeah. TV 90. The only, the only reason that those, the only thing those mats ever came into clutch for was when we went through that stint in the Prospect House playing the show. I think it was the season that I pitched with uh, um, the guy uh-huh. that, his name. Um, Ventura. Yeah, Ventura. Um, so the way that, the, the way that it would always rotate. So Kyle got the recliner. Jeff got the Steelers recliner. Kendall would sit in between them on that shitty offering. <laughs> but like just back far enough where he really couldn't see what he was doing. <laughs> and um and then I would I would put the mats, I would put one as a three piece and then one with the back, and I would put them up against the refrigerator. I've got I had a mini fridge in there. Man. <laughs> and the best part is we were twenty-four years old. <laughs> <laughs> Arm remembers. <laughs> I Living think, the time of our lives. I was thinking about that, and it's like it, it is. It, it, it's. I, I know for some people out there, like Mike Mock, it's like really infuriating. But like for me, I just find the pure magic in it of how, like, no matter what happens in this world, it just somehow works out for Kyle. Because <laughs> like, I just think of it from the standpoint of like, there were three grown men that had their license and access to a vehicle and we chose to drive to the guy's house who didn't have either thing and then had to sleep on the floor now when you when you find out how much some of us slept on floors and bedrooms you would think oh the guy who didn't have a license was stranded at the house and had to sleep over and so he had to sleep on the floor no, I had a license and chose not to go home <laughs> and chose to sleep on the floor, curled up like a dying dog. <laughs> and more importantly than any of it, would wake up to something stupid blaring on the TV. And weirdly enough, Kyle would be the first one up. <laughs> and. <laughs> You know what? I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. Except for the night that uh, Kyle Kyle went to sleep and put that fucking Netflix movie on with Adam Sandler. Oh, yeah. And, it, it, and Jeff and I, like, Jeff and I both had to be up for work at 7 in the morning, and we stayed up till 5 watching the movie. Because <laughs> it was a good movie. Yeah. All right, so Kyle, you got the last... The last thing here, is it the worst or the best thing? The worst, and it's Pat's hardwood floor in the downstairs room. Yeah, I never saw something that. I, I could imagine. 
No good. Man, man, Kyle got the Kyle got the worst floor though. Good for you, Kyle. You got Vito's floor. <laughs> Vito's floor was the worst. I've put some I've put some work in on that floor. Because my head was always next to the fucking hair salon chair. That's right. That's another funny scenario. Because think about it, <laughs> there would be like we'll call it at the most eight people that would come for like a poker night, or we will call them basement nights, kitchen nights, and then at least seven of the eight people would stay. So you're just like next, you're shoulder to shoulder with just somebody and just the farting <laughs> from beer and dominoes. It was fucking awful. <laughs> good arrow though. I enjoyed that. That was, that was a good time. You have a lot of weird errors. I really enjoyed the, the, Basement and or kitchen nights. There was there was a, there was a, a couple really good ones that we but had. You know, the thing, you know the thing that really bothers me is again, is like it's just like I think of the nights that I slept on the floor at Vito's place or on that wood couch at Jeff's or or slept on the fucking red couch at Kendall's house. Like all these worst things we've named. And a lot of them were just because, you know, there was, like, alcohol involved, and it was, like, the safe thing was to do was to stay and sleep there. So you made the best of the worst situation. But nobody ever slept in the bed with Kyle. (laughs) Nobody Nobody ever brought an air mattress. We never fell asleep at Kyle's house drunk. That never happened once. (laughs) Oberly, we're like, we're going to stay here until it's time for bed. Inevitably, when Kyle decides it's time for bed. And we're all going to lay on the floor, and then Kendall's going to try to find a place where Kyle's not going to thunderstop his glasses when he wakes up. <laughs> and it was always the worst. Jeff and, I, Jeff and I always used to have... Jeff and I had some of our best late-night conversations at Kyle's house because Kendall and Kyle both had the same privilege of, once my head hits the pillow, I'm fucking done. That, that occurred later in life for me. I, I, I didn't always have that ability... No, but in, what, 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 once Kyle moved the prospect, once your head hit the pillow, you were fucking out. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, very so. I don't think I made it through, like, episodes of Family Guy like I used to. You know how difficult it was to masturbate through all the snoring? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good at falling asleep wherever I want. Oh, that's funny. Kyle, you're the only person I've ever met that can fall asleep stomach side down. In a- <laughs> yeah. It was comfortable. Just the you know, Kyle, that, that that chair still exists down in this basement. It's not that chair though. I've seen Kyle sleep stomach down in that in multiple recliners. <laughs> he has a gift. I can't tell you how many nights that Kyle and I when I when like when I was living at, at Prospect because I was with Samantha. I can't tell you how many nights Kyle and I actually spent the entire night in the recliner on the couch and nobody slept in the bed. <laughs> Like, I can't say how many nights we were sitting there. It was like, hey, I'm going to sleep on the couch. I'm going to sleep in the chair. All right, cool. Melvin, <laughs> Melvin, you get to bed. See you in three hours when it's time to get up. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. What's the trade deadline, Kyle? This week. All right. We're going to talk about baseball next week. Get a, get a nice recap. Get a nice recap. Maybe talk about Shohei. Who knows? Uh. We'll see. I mean, we don't need to do the outros. What? So we don't need to do the outros. Yeah, find us on places, listen to us at things. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you don't know, it's your fault. 
But listen, it's super easy. Facebook, getting supposed to drunk. Twitter and, on, and Instagram, GSWD underscore four. Make sure you use the hashtag GSWD when you're looking for GSWD. That's right. You search that, we are everywhere. Google Play, iHeart, you name it. Kyle for mentioned, it's everywhere. We're even in Kyle's ass. Bingo. Coach is throwing up right now. <laughs> nice. What a way to end it. Well, hopefully Coach uses some mouthwash, but until then, I'm your host of Cupcake the Riddler. Oh, wait, sorry. Kendall, how was your uh, your, your trogues? Uh, it, it was okay. Um, like I said last week, I probably wouldn't get this again. Uh, 8.2%. Uh, it's, a, it's a double IPA. Um, notes of, it's kind of got like that lemony, citricky uh, flavor to it, but it just, I don't know. I, I just didn't really enjoy it that much. Uh, probably wouldn't get again uh, 2.5 out of 5. Kyle, lemon lime Gatorade, how was it? Ten out of ten. And how was the poop? It's still gone. Nice. And and then Kyle, how would you describe the beer I had? Juicy baby. There you go. It's been reviewed. Go listen to the archives. That's right. Um yeah, Kyle's gonna keep pooping and uh until we'll talk fin- to you guys later. Until he finishes, I'm the host of Cupcake the Riddler. I'm back back shells. And the Red of Red Baron. Yeah.